that time is the most valuable thing that, that I have, that, that we have, and also that time is something that I personally believe that we will we'll give an account for that. I know we talk about giving an account for our deeds and things like that, but, but I really think we're going to give an account for time because every day is a blessing from the Lord. And the Bible talks about redeeming the time. and He says, to count your blessings and, you know, that we, we don't know really how long we're going to live. We know it used to be that 70 years was the average lifespan of a man, but uh, a lot of people are blessed with more than that. But with everything that is happening at the pace it's happening, it seems that time ought to be what I'm utilizing more than anything else and and I'm going to be honest with y'all, I, I, I haven't done near as, good job, as a good a job with that as I need to. And it kind of bothered me this morning. I was up to about this last button, and I says, man, I've wasted a lot of time, even, even over the past four months, knowing, I, I know what day I'm living in, I know what time I'm living in, and Man, I ought to be doing a little bit more than I'm doing right now. I mean, I ought to at least warn several thousand people to the Lord. Or, You know, I start thinking about, I should have had several books memorized by now, and I haven't done that. And I'm telling you something about time now because at the end of this message, I'm going to talk to you about a certain amount of time. And so I want you to think about this while we kind of do a little bit of a review from last week. And we're going to look at these things that we learned from Elijah, but we're going to kind of focus on one that I think is the difference maker right now. And so last week when we saw that Elijah was at Mount Carmel with all of those false prophets, we, we see that the first thing that took place was he prayed. If you wasn't a part of it last week, I'm just repeating something most people already uh, remember. But last week we talked about the very first thing after the prophets of Baal couldn't do a thing, that he repaired the altar. He prioritized prayer, the altar again. And that's something that I believe we've got to do now more than we've ever done before. We've, we've got to prioritize a place of prayer. We've got to rebuild the altar in our life and in our home. And it needs to be a war room location. It needs to be a closet. It needs to be a time. It doesn't mean it's the only time you pray, but it does mean this, that it is, it is something that you repaired. It, it, it's not like you have a meeting at 9 o'clock or you have... Uh, a haircut appointment and it's at a set time and you make sure you get to that time but prayer's not treated like that so it's time for all of us starting with me to we got to prioritize and rebuild the altar in our home and in our marriage and in every 
facet of our life. The second thing he taught us was preparation. We don't do this. If we did, there would be a tremendous difference and a noticeable difference in our worship. Enter into his uh, gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You can't do that if you are preoccupied getting out of your car if you were coming to church and those that are here or if you are even at home and you are about to read the word or you spend some time in prayer you've got to prepare and you've got to realize that when he laid the wood in order he was preparing his sacrifice he didn't get distracted with how many people there were that were more than he or anything else he took that time to prepare because he knew what was about to unfold. So he had to prepare for that. And folks, if we don't prepare for what we know God can do and what we want him to do, it ain't going to happen. And I'm just sorry, it's not going to happen. And so we've got to be people that prepare. I'm not going to let anything invade my worship at church, my worship at home, my prayer time. I'm cutting my phone off. I'm cutting my, and let me say this, you know, a lot of times I play uh, music while I'm praying, and I encourage you, that that's a good thing to do. However, I will tell you this, that if you're not careful, you can get so involved in the music that you focus more on the music or the song or, or whatever than you do even the act of praying and worshiping. So there is a, there's a fine line there. The third thing that we found out was that when you really worship the Lord, it, it's a sacrifice. And you've heard the term sacrifice of praise, and that means it's a sacrifice because it's going to cost you something. I mean, it's not just going to be, oh, I'm going to sing like I've always sung. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read like I always have. But no, David said, and I'm quoting out of the 24th chapter of 1 Kings, he said, I won't offer to God something that costs me nothing. He wanted it to hurt. He wanted to feel it. He wanted to know. And he wanted God to see how serious he was. And I think that's something that you and I need to really practice and we need to sharpen on. And that is the fact that we don't take worship lightly. God, and, and you know, I just heard a beautiful thing this week about somebody praying. And they were praying so good that it was, it was an audible prayer. It was a loud prayer. It, it, it was a God is going to move in this situation or situations prayer. And uh, I, I know a lot of people say, well, you know what, can't you just pray quietly? God, God's not deaf. No, he's not deaf. But you know what God loves? God loves to see our passion a lot of times. And when you can just break out and you can, you can really... Make a sacrifice of praise. Make a sacrifice of prayer. A sacrifice of giving. You give. I don't have this to give. I don't even feel like praising God. I don't have this, this money to give, but I'm going to do it because it's a sacrifice. Whatever it might be. When we worship God, as we learn right here, when he cut the bull in pieces, it cost that bull his life, but it also cost a precious, precious prize animal out of somebody's flock. 
And so worship's going to cost. But then we land at number four. When he told them to go and fill the water pots with water and pour on the sacrifice. And when this took place, this was a sign of, of his faith. God could have still responded by fire and it would have been great without the water. They would have probably still been uh, mesmerized and they would have been kind of beside themselves and, and all of that. But he wanted to demonstrate that the God, the only true living God, is not limited and he's not limiting his faith. That's what Elijah did when he said, pour the water on. We don't want anybody coming up with any kind of lame brain uh, idea that, oh, somebody was over there playing with some flint or something like that, and that's how the fire got started. And so we see a great Old Testament picture here of faith, the faith of Elijah. And by us seeing this picture, we can, we can also see something else that took place, and that is that God waited until the water was all over the sacrifice, had drenched it, had drenched the wood, and had even filled the ditch that was around it before he responded. And then when he responded, then you know how the rest of that played out. It wasn't good for those false prophets. And everybody knew that day that, that Elijah was the real deal. And I need to just ask you this question. Does the world... No. Man, does your family know whether or not you're the real deal? See, Elijah could have talked all day long about faith. And you know what? I, I love just talking like this, but I'm floating this morning. I, I need to float, so a half dozen of you are going to watch me float. But Elijah could have said all day long, he could have said, you know, I believe my God could. If I even wanted to pour water on this, he'd still do it. And they could say, yeah, right, and all that. He could have talked it all day long, and they, they probably wouldn't have flinched, or, or it wouldn't have made no, no difference at all in them. But he knew two things was taking place, and, and you can start writing any time now, but he knew that, and you don't have these on the screen, but, but he understood that when he poured the water on the fire, and I'm going to quote a scripture for you in just a minute about this. When he, when he poured the water on the sacrifice before the fire, he knew that God in heaven knew that he was serious and he trusted him 100% without any reservation because after all, it would take an act of God to do that, and we all agree on that. But he also knew this, that all those false prophets and everybody there, see, he was the Lone Ranger. He, he was the sore thumb that we talk about. He was the only one there, the only prophet of God. And he knew that all those other people, God would see it, but they would see it too. And they would know that, hey, this joker is not just jaw-japping. He really walks the walk that he talks and he knew that those people would see that he is actually, really, a man of faith. That's before he had them all killed. And so I want to tell you today, in the eyes of God, there is absolutely nothing at all 
that can substitute for what the Bible says is the substance. Faith, and I'll read it to you in just a minute. Only genuine faith, genuine faith, is the only thing in God's eyes that produces substance. Do y'all, y'all get that? You hear what I'm saying? It's not talking about faith. It, it's, not, it's not looking around and singing about faith, me writing a book about faith, or me even preaching a message on faith, or going to a seminar, or studying, studying a, 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 a theology class about faith. In the eyes of God, the only thing that produces faith in my life, in your life, in this room, and those of you that are watching, is just faith. It's the only thing that produces substance. It's nothing else. And we can say, well, I know a lot about, I know every faith story in the Bible. Your knowledge doesn't produce it. You know what produces? That bucket of water on the fire in your life. That's what produces faith. And see, the reason I believe God wanted us to hang with, with part four, number four this week, go back to last week, is because that's what's missing in our lives. That's what's missing in the church. We can preach messages. We can have all the great songs written about faith, and there's nothing wrong with all this. But nothing produces substance like real faith. And we see from this story that great faith produces and brings about great fire. And I know everybody in this room has heard me say it, Man, if there's something that this world needs right now, we need the fire from heaven. We need the fire that only God can give. And I find it interesting over in the 8th chapter of Luke's gospel that, and, and Jesus didn't say this just one time. He, he said this, or he alluded to this, this concept many times. He said, he says, where is your faith? And the Bible says, he said to them, where is your faith and they were afraid and wondered, saying to one, one another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water and the waves, all the elements obey him. And see, Jesus is always, like I talked about the fig tree not long ago, in the life of a believer, and this is a question all of us need to ask ourselves. We need, we need to ask ourselves constantly, Where's my faith at? Because Jesus is always walking around his disciples, oh, you of little faith. See, he's looking for faith in our life because he knows faith, not being a Christian, not being a church worker, not being a person that pays a lot of money into the church. Oh, you're great. You have a great name in the community. The Lord knows, hey, man, where's your faith? Where is your faith? I died to give you a measure of where is your faith at because faith is the only thing that produces substance, which is the only thing that can produce evidence and give me evidence so that great fire can follow great faith. And so today I want to go over to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and a lot of you know this as the hall of faith, heroes of faith. We're only going to look at about three scriptures maybe. And I want to start with verse 1. And I've been kind of preaching on verse 1 for the past several minutes. Faith, now faith, is, verse 1, the substance. Faith. You have a good understanding of that by now, I'm sure. Faith is the substance. You know, substance is a real thing here. It's not like a vapor or something. Substance is like, uh, 
Well, this pulpit is a substance. It's a metal substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. But it's also the evidence of things not seen. And you know, a lot of people, a lot of you watching and everybody in this room, we all hope for something. Sinners, even atheists, if you can get them to tell a little bit of the truth, they'll tell you, yeah, I hope that I can get off work Friday or I hope we can go back to whatever. We can go back to working. We can go back to our restaurant. We can go back to whatever the, the case might be. Everybody in this world has some kind of hope, even if it's somebody that don't even know how to say the word. They don't even know what it means, but it, it, maybe they live in a third world country and they, they know about America or about places where water is plenty to, uh, to drink and all that, and they, they hope one day they can have something like that. Everybody has hope. But I'm here to tell you this morning that hope that I'm talking about that the world has, it's, it's really confined and restricted to just your head. Now, you need to listen to me, and I hope y'all are listening in this room. You better listen because God wants to help us right now. When you just hope for something, that's not the same thing as faith. See, faith, real faith, is a substance. And it will manifest itself in some kind of evidence. I'll go back to the story before I go any further than this. When it's in your head, that's it. Faith was what Elijah utilized when he came up against Satan in a form that none of us have ever come against him in with over 850 false prophets. He's the long ranger, as I said. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what happened there? was he had faith. He knew what his God could do. He knew his Redeemer was faithful and true. But it materialized into a substance of buckets and water from his hands carrying out what was in his head that dropped to his heart. It caused a reaction by his hands. You see, when it stays in your head, it's just a hope. You hope one day. A lot of people hope they win money. A lot of people hope that life gets better. A lot of people hope that the pandemic's over with soon. A lot of people hope they make it to heaven. But that's just a head knowledge, what we call a head knowledge. Real faith goes from here to here and then right here. Nothing else. Don't ever be confused by this. It's not talking about it, as I said, or any other form. Real faith is substance is what God said. And real faith that is substance is going to produce something in your life that's going to become the evidence. And what happened again with Brother Elijah is when he poured the buckets on, see, it took faith for him to pour the water on the, the fire and on the, on the place, the altar where the fire would be. But by him doing that, it 
ignited and produced the evidence. Okay, I've done this. Now I know God's going to do that. that. That act right there of pouring the water with his hands produced evidence. He knew that God would respond, no questions asked, because when he took the first step, he knew God was going to take the next step. And that's where we are, folks. We go right here all of our lives. As Christians, we do this. Y'all know this. Everybody in here, you can nod your head. No, I'm telling you the truth. We got a lot of hope right here. We do. But for some reason or another, whether it's fear or whether it's really not a level of belief that we know the Bible says, it just stays right here. We're scared. We're scared to death. And we are gripped by this. It just stays right here in our head. And I'm going to tell you, it's got to go from here. And when it gets in your heart, there is, there's no delay in it coming out of your hands some kind of way. And so in this 11th chapter right here, you read all kind of instances where it went from a person's head in their heart. In fact, I want to say it's in your, when, when it's in your heart, it's in your head and heart at the same time. And you read this whole book, this whole chapter rather, of people that just boom, boom, boom. In fact, you just saw a story that I'm about to read about uh, in verse number 30 of this same chapter. chapter uh, verse 31, by faith, the harlot Rahab, listen, the harlot Rahab, not the priest, not the Levite, not the scribe, not the person that kept all the commandments, not the person that had a really good reputation in town neither. But by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she received the spies with peace. By faith. I'll go back if it's not too much trouble, Derek. I want to add this. Verse 2 says, when we have faith... That is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of not seeing. When we produce this, this is the same thing that the elders obtain a good testimony. Okay, now, I'm ready to preach and I'm ready to tell you this right here. Whenever we spend our time doing all the things in life right now, and I'm going to tell you the, the past four months of God allowing us to spend this time of repairing an altar, and we all have to admit that we have not prayed like we should. We have not sought the Lord like we are able to do right now. And like we have access and we have the liberty to do right. We haven't done this. I haven't done it. You know we haven't done it. And we, we haven't spent time praying. In fact, we, we do things uh, in groups. In fact, we, while we are reading our Bible a lot of times, we may be checking our email or surfing the internet or looking at social media or while we're praying, we might have other things on our minds. We don't do this, folks. And when we don't do this, it's out the window for having faith. We're not going to have faith. So we have to be a bunch of people 
that are identified with a holy, unstoppable God that's able to do anything and everything, but we choose to live limited and confined to just having a hope-so mentality because we never get to the part of where we can have real faith. And this is what I told you at the beginning of this message that Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for you to brag about how good you are at what you do. He's looking for, for pure raw, unfiltered faith that don't flinch, that don't think about it. Your hands is always pouring water on something and you're always seeing God respond in some kind of way. This is what Jesus is looking for. In fact, he said, when the Son of Man comes, he told about a woman praying. If you remember, she knocked on the door and the judge says, this woman's aggravating the snot out of me and I can't get a bit of rest. And he said this right here. He said, you know what, I don't, I don't give a rip about this woman. And I'm just kind of making it plain, Jane. That's why I'm using rip and snot today. i got to give you the cliff notes. So here we go. He said, I don't care about this woman. I don't care about her. I don't care about God. I don't even care about this community. But if I don't do what she wants me to do, she's going to worry me to death so I'm going to get up out of this bed and I'm going to go over here and give her what she wants so I can get back to sleep. And this is what Jesus said. And I believe it's a direct, a direct lesson for the day I'm living in right now. He said, you know, when you pray, don't you think I can respond in a very, very uh, fast manner? Don't you think I can do this speedily, he says? He said, I can do when you pray. I can do it quicker than you can even get the last part of your request. He said, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, I could shout right there. I really could. Because he can find everything else. He can find picture-perfect Christians, picture-perfect churches, picture-perfect preachers. He can find them. But you know what I haven't heard? I, you know, and I, uh, when, when I am uh, on social media, and I told you, man, it, it's, it's down to almost nothing now. But when I was and when I am, and it's usually Scripture related, posting a Scripture or reading a Scripture, I'll see all of these people that, man, they are... They sound right, it looks right, it looks good, it's very biblical looking, and, and it is, it is. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. But you're not, you're not finding faith anywhere. You are not, and you know what people that are, that are kind of tender about this whole subject right here, that's scared for it to go from here to here, and then here? You, you know what all of, maybe if some of you, you know what you were saying? Well, God, God responds in different. Well, see, we start making these excuses, man. We start doing this, and we've got to level up with the Word of God right now. We've got to realize, do you know God wants to blow this whole thing wide open? Do you know He wants to blow your life wide open right now? He wants to bless you. He wants to maximize things in your life because there's not much time left. But we just... We're just so indoctrinated with what the world says we need to be doing right now. So we just kind of let it all go because we don't have a young and dying of cancer or we are not about to lose our house and everything about us. So we don't really need to repair an altar. We don't need to uh, set apart and prepare a time of worship and prayer. And we don't need to worry about giving until it hurts or 
need to worry about faith, Opie. Well, I mean, God knows my heart. Oh, he does. That's the problem. God knows your heart, and God's looking for faith in your heart, and he's looking for faith that produces something out of your hands. It says, I don't have anything to go on but the word of God right now, but I know my God is able to do it. He did it for Elijah, and I believe that, but I know he can do it for me. So, God, this doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it anyway because I know as soon as I do it, that's going to be my evidence that you're going to come through, and that's where the church is right now. Now, we are, we are at a threshold. We know we need to see God do fire-burning acts right now. We know that's the only thing that's going to cause maybe some of the world to bow on their face and call on a God that can save them before it's too late. But we will not get out of our comfort zone because we're on our way to heaven and we won't have faith that will produce the fire that can set people free. And Jesus is saying, you might not want to have it and you might think it's not necessary but I'm telling you I'm not looking for how good you are or what you've done I'm looking for faith in your life like I was looking for a fig on that fig tree in winter and I'm not happy that I can't find it that's what God said that's what his word said I want to tell you this real quick okay I told you a while ago that I was going to talk to you about time at the end of this message, and this is what I want to tell you. I don't know what night it was this week, but when we came in um, Thursday night, maybe, Angie just turned on the TV. We were, we'd been up here, I think, trying to finish up some things, and it just happened to she was looking usually for music, and so, and I normally don't call out stations, but she went to TBN, Trinity Broadcast, and a man by the name of Jimmy Evans was on there. She asked me, had I heard him? I said, well, I know he's the Marriage Today guy. He and his wife do a lot with marriage, and it's really good. Uh, and any of you, this that's kind of separate, but... I would highly encourage you to just, uh, I think it's marriagetoday.com. That's not what I'm talking about. But he was being interviewed by Matt Crouch and his wife. And I didn't know this about Jimmy Evans, but he is a prophecy, just a self-enthusiast uh, of, of prophecy. And he said in that, in that broadcast, that interview, he he said things and, and explained the rapture, tribulation, millennial reign, all this in, in such a clear, concise, understandable way. I, I, I had to watch it two times. Now, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. I want you to, sometime today, there's a four-minute and a seven-minute clip that we put on a page on the church website. You can't get through it to it any other way but the way I'm telling you. You can, you can go to TBN on YouTube and find it, but if you want to get to it quick, you go to multitudeschurch.com slash and the word rapture, R-A-P-T-U-R-E, and those two videos are there for you. I want you to watch them. 
because it will, it will kind of explain a lot of things if you don't have a lot of understanding. Now, this is what I'm, I'm not going to deal with. I don't want a single person to call or text or email me to tell me, you don't believe it that way, you don't think that way, what about this, what about that? I, I, I'm not, I don't have time to play with people that are in love with their, their head. I don't, I don't. So, I'm telling you that, you, you just take it and you do with it whatever you want to. You embrace it, you, you say, man, that's good information, I didn't know that. I don't like that, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, that's, that's what you do with it. But don't bother me. I'm telling you, don't bother me because I don't have time to play games with people who aren't interested in what I've been preaching today. So don't do that because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I will not acknowledge anything. I won't. I'm at a time in my life where I'm not playing with myself anymore. I'm not. I'm not giving me a break, and I'm not giving family a break. I'm not giving church people a break. I'm not giving the devil a break. I'm not giving anybody a break. I'm about to leave this earth. Do you hear me? I'm about to leave this earth. And so I, I can't be messing around, man. I can't. I mean, it's serious. It's, it, it is game time. I mean, you can, business as usual. One of the things this man said in this was, he said, you know, like the days of Noah, when the Lord comes back, people are going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and I've made reference to that. But I want to tell you this. That's where we are. You know, in, in the social media thing, and I, it kind of sounds like I'm rambling. I'm not. I'm kind of getting things off my chest that I think God wants me to get off, not really my chest, but maybe his. And that's to tell you this. The reason I can say a lot of the things I say is because a lot of people that attend this church scare me to death with your Facebook, your Instagram, your Snapchat, uh, your TikTok. You scare the living life out of me. You hear me well, and I'm not trying to be funny or I am not joking. Because I want to say, what in the world, what have I been preaching out of for the past 30 years? Because I see stuff I don't even look for. And it worries the life out of me. Not in a mad way, really, but I'm worried. I mean, I'm worried sick. Because that's the attitude of a lot of people that I've pastored. A lot of people that I know in the community. A lot of people that I just know from school and everywhere else. And... Nothing about their life or their profile or their constant posting looks anything like the Word of God. And they, they think they are going to heaven and you are not going to heaven. I don't care who told you grace was okay with everything in this world. It's not. Jesus doesn't repeatedly say, where's your faith? If it's okay to go out here and live like there is no tomorrow. So I want to make it clear. I want to make it very clear again. We have a mandate from God and His Word to be people of faith living by faith. 
in these last days so that he can do great things. I don't see God doing great things. You don't see God doing great things because you don't see great faith anywhere. And great faith, he says, just a mustard seed size. But that's, that's not even available. And so he went on in this to say, and man, this thing's helped me out a lot. He said that before Satan can deceive you, he must disarm you. I shared this with the people that were here earlier. Now, this is where I'm getting to the beginning of the message, and then I'm going to pray. He said that the only thing that Satan cannot handle is the Word of God in a believer's life. When you stand on the Word, and I can say that because you know what Jesus used. He didn't sing a song. He didn't hold up a Sunday school or an elder or a deacon or an apostle or, or a bishop badge or a worship badge or an usher badge. You know what he did when Satan come against him? He said, it is written, it is written, it is said. That's what he did. The word, the word, the word. And this man was saying in this broadcast the other night that Satan is in the process right now, and he's never stopped it, of trying to disarm you. Disarm you. Keep you busy from reading the Word of God. Keep you busy from uh, meditating on the Word of God. And everybody knows in here, and you know, I'm telling the truth. We stay jacked up, whacked up, busy all the time. And usually, we don't even have anything to show for it. But we stay run to the meal, even during these four months like they are. We still stay busy, or we stay preoccupied. And Satan preys on that, especially at this day and hour. See, he don't have to worry about Congress, about Senate, about the movie stars, about the sporting industry. As this man said, those are all the gods of this world. And, 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 and the Lord showed you who's really Lord. He can shut all of it down just in a snap of his finger. So he has to concentrate on the little bit of the body that's still doing a little bit of reading, a little bit of praying, a little bit of fasting, a little bit of thirsting for God and, and a hunger for God. And so he has to disarm you and keep you away from this book right here. Just keep you busy. It's, it's around, but it's only at your disposal when you need it. So if he can disarm you and tell you it's okay, God understands, he's full of grace and mercy, he knows. Oh, don't worry about that part, about that will he find faith on there. Oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about all that. Hey, just just you, you good, man. Come on. Stay busy with your children. Stay busy with your toys. Stay busy with your job. Stay busy with your hobbies. Stay busy with this. Stay busy with that. Catch up on your rest. Catch up on your sleep. This is a prime opportunity. If he can disarm you, then he can deceive you. Word's the only thing that helps you from being deceived. The Bible says that unless the days would be shortened, the elect would be deceived. So God laid this on my heart. I bet every one of us that are watching, do I have, no, I don't have my phone with me, but all of you got a phone or something. Collectively, between talking and texting and surfing and social media, internet, watching TV, or just talking in vague conversations on the phone, spend over 30 minutes a day doing that. In fact, probably more like two or three hours if you count going to bed at night and all that. So God wanted me to start today today with a 30-minute Bible 
binge. He said a Bible binge. Not, we're not fasting right now. We're doing a Bible binge. What is that? That's not even a binge, man. But that's what we're going to say. I'm not challenging you. I'm not even asking you. I'm relaying a message from God. I want you to start today and in the morning with at least 30 minutes in my word. See, I can preach to you all day long and you say, Opie, I didn't like that message. Or you can say, Opie, I really enjoyed that. That helped me out a lot. But I'm telling you, folks, if you do not become a student of the word right now, right now with all this, you're going to be deceived. A lot of people are deceived. The group of people I talked about that's so scattered and all that, and I'm scared and worried because of post and all the things that it keeps getting worse. You're already deceived. You think you've got to be it for the world. You've got to be, you know, I hate to make this reference, but you're a fan of Cheers, man. That was in the 1980s. You hear me? You're a fan of Cheers, maybe the early 90s. You want everybody to know your name. Everybody. Everybody know your name, know your face. You want them to comment and talk about just how awesome and great and just, you want it. We all want it. That's why Satan, that was one of the things he offered Jesus. You got to realize, you're already deceived and the word of God, not even just listening to me preach every Sunday, you've got to read it for yourself. Honey, and know that God can use you to be a man or woman of faith. So we're going to pray right now. And I, I want you to pray with me. I want you to understand that we may never come back to this church. And I know it always seems like I'm talking about bad news, doesn't it? But it's not bad news. Like you, you'll hear if you watch these videos. Man, this is the best news. You know I've been waiting 53 years for us to get to this time because this is closest I've ever seen that the Lord can come right now, man, because since March, it has escalated. I'm getting happy. You know, he said he, he went away to prepare a place for me. And I just believe it could happen right now. And I don't, I don't know what else is going to happen. But I do know this. I want to have my lamp trimmed. I, I want to have my altar repaired i know i want to do all the preparation i'm supposed to do i do i have to do this i don't i don't want these distractions to keep me here and they will so i, I want to pray that me and you ju just us today i want us to be so known for the last few days of our lives by the level of faith we have more than anything else I want God to bless every person in this room with a, a threshold of courage. In the name of Jesus, I felt you, Lord, when I said that. God, I want you to bless every person watching with a level of courage to step out, Lord, in faith. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In a way they've never done before, Lord. I pray, God, that people's hands would do something they've never done before, whether it's pour water on a sacrifice or lay hands on the sick. God, I don't care what it is. In the name of Jesus, 
In the name of Jesus. i got to be obedient. I want you to listen to me. And you can still have your eyes closed, but I want you to listen to me. The Lord just stopped me in this prayer and said, you got to tell them again about your great-grandfather. And so I'm going to tell you again about my great-grandfather. And I hadn't planned on this. I don't even remember when the last time I remembered this. But my daddy told me about my great-grandfather that would walk from here to Bennettsville to Sherrill all over the place to preach. And that one day, a preacher was coming by and some of you are going to remember it, but a preacher was coming by and he really liked fish. But it was a hot summer and they, he was plowing in the field and, and he said, God, you know that brother so-and-so's coming by and he really likes fish. We don't have any fish, Lord. But God, I know that you are able to supply. You're able to supply, Lord. And I believe, Lord, I don't know how, but I believe that you can, you can supply this need. And my daddy said that his grandpa told him that when he got through praying, over in the road beside him, not a lake any, anywhere nearby, there was a fish flapping in the next row over. I'm telling you, folks, great faith will look ridiculous. It will look Bucket pouring ridiculous. It will look fish in the middle of a corn road ridiculous. But this is what Jesus said he's looking for. And it's still available right now. You will not find it during the tribulation like you will find it right now. And God wants to pour it out. He wants to open up all of heaven. And I know there might be unbelievers here that are watching. And God wants to save you. But church, I'm preaching the way I'm preaching here these last several weeks. It's because I don't want to leave anybody. And you know, Jesus, when he was praying, he said, Father, of all the ones that you've given me, I've lost none. I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want to lose anybody at multitude. I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want to lose anybody as far as coming to church, but I, I don't want to lose anybody. I want everybody in the building that's here out of reverence. I'm praying to God right now. I want you to stand. Father, and if you are where you can stand at your home or fall on your face, in the name of Jesus, I pray for unbelievers, Lord, that they would realize that you can save them, Jesus. Lord, the rest of their life, the remainder of their life can be completely changed. But Lord, they need a Savior. So would you just say, dear Jesus, I know you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Wash me. I want to be your child. I want to go to that place that you've prepared for me. And I want to live a life of faith while I can. And 
God, while these people are praying, God, I pray for our church, even those that may not be listening right now, God. Lord, you're not going to give faith to a cow or a dog or a duck or a chicken or a car or a TV or a computer. God, but you said you've given us, your people, a measure of faith. And God, there's still time on the clock right this second for people to start living a life of faith that's ridiculous in the eyes of this world but it's what you honor I want you to sing those words at home right now as a prayer and I want you to do like that person I told you about earlier I want you to be audible I want you to say God more than ever before I've got to tell you I need you now more than ever before. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just sing it to him. believe somebody's still praying I want them to sing that again and I want you to sing it again and I want you to mean this God more than ever week I want you to do this now I want you to ask the Lord every day when you're doing your 30 minutes and that's just the baseline I want you to say God help me with my faith In increase my faith I'm telling you once you can get in that vein of living, you won't do anything without it. You every, hallelujah, every prayer you pray, it will be one of faith. You will live in a way 
that looks like people in the Bible. I'm not talking about you'll be haughty, super spiritual, and arrogant. You'll have a peace of knowing God's going to do this. You know, when we, when we talk about all these stories right here, I read this week about Peter and John and the lame man. When you read all these stories, these people didn't run into a situation, first of all, and say, God, I, now I'm going to pray for these. I'm going to pour this water on this fire. I'm going I'm to go over here and let these spies down this wind. And, I, and, I, and I, I hope you do it, God. I hope you do they bypassed all that. See, they lived a life of faith and they lived a life of substance and evidence was always a welcoming thing and it was a normal thing. So you're not gonna, you, you won't live the same way. You won't pray the same way. You won't walk the same way. You will, see, a lot of times we pray and then we just start we don't worry about the, the substance part. We just pray, oh, where's it at, God? Where's it at? I, I just prayed. You said if I ask anything, you'd do it. God, if you'll let this happen in my life, you know I'm going to pay tithes on it. See, we, we do all that carnal stuff. That's not faith. Faith is substance. It's nothing else. It's not you looking. Faith is substance. Faith is you moving first. Nothing else. Scary, isn't it? No, it's not. It's the most liberating thing you will ever experience outside of salvation. It's when you live by faith. So you can't be saved without faith. So I'm praying this week in the name of Jesus that when Jesus comes by you, he says, oh, look at them. Look at them just living, operating in faith. It worked. Look at them on the job there. Look at them. They're on the internet, but, but they're telling people about Jesus that they used to just try to post pictures to get them like now now they're doing their faith see anything can be that so it's time for the people of God to be the people of God live by faith and watch what the Lord does now I want you to look at me and I want you to say it with me this week we always pray that great psalm let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart this is the next part that you got to watch out. Be acceptable in your sight. we got, we got to quit worried about people liking it. They're not going to like it down here. He said they hated me. They're going to hate you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. I love every one of you. I'm praying and I'm, I, I'm just sitting on go waiting to hear all the great things of faith that God's about to do. I think he's about to write another chapter of Heroes of Faith, but it's going to be with modern people. God bless you. I love you. And unless the Lord returns or calls me home, I'll see you Wednesday night. Hallelujah.